Hello and welcome to another episode of the Cyberwork with InfoSec podcast. Each week, I sit down with a different industry thought leader to discuss the latest cybersecurity trends and how those trends are affecting the work of InfoSec professionals, as well as tips for those trying to break in or move up the ladder of the cybersecurity industry. John Bree is the Neo Group Inc. Senior Vice President and Partner. He's an experienced financial industry executive and former managing director of Deutsche Bank, as well as a senior level risk analyst who is going to speak to us today about his journey as a security risk analyst, uh, his step, career steps along the way, and how aspiring security risk analysts can make the best choices to get their career off to a great start. Uh, John, thank you for being here today. Oh, lost your, your earpiece there. Your audio is out. Okay, there we go. There well, again, we go. thank you very much. It's a great opportunity to be with you, and I appreciate uh, the chance to talk to folks about a uh, kind of interesting 45-year career. Okay, well, um, we'll, we'll usually start out with, uh, you know, talking about your career journey. How did you first get involved in, in risk analytics, and, and, you know, how did that uh, springboard from what you did, you know, in, in previous uh, iterations of your career? What, what's, what's, you know, where did, where did you go, and where did you, how did you end up here? Well, the journey started a long time ago, back in 1974, but in banking and as banking started to evolve and we started to move towards automation, we realized that things were going to be happening a lot faster. What we didn't think about is the whole world of hacking and, and cyber attacks and those kind of things. The goal was to move data quicker. So as we moved forward, and I think we got into probably, oh, about the mid-90s, and we started to get into something called online banking, which mm -hmm. became a hot item. I mean, ATMs were the, the be-all, end-all, of course, until we came up with online banking. And one of the things we saw as soon as we started to launch our online banking applications is that people were hacking them, spoofing them, and then that whole new world of phishing with a PH started. Right. And it was a realization then that you could no longer use the old tried and true, you know, an incident happens and we'll go solve it. And, recover lost funds, we had to get out in front and start to be more predictive and proactive than reactive. Yeah. When, I know when, that's been said before. When, when, did, when did you start seeing these, these trends sort of popping up for the first time? Uh, probably around in the late 90s, early 2000. I know okay. uh, experienced a major phishing attack on a, hmm. an online banking system for U.S. Bank back in 2000. Okay. You know, and it was the first, and, and it was new. No one knew what was going on, and as we were changing it as fast as we were correcting our website, mm -hmm. they were spoofing it, making the changes on the spoof side. Yeah, and then of course everybody was new, right? Everybody was hot and excited about their computers, and so everybody was answering emails and giving away data. And yeah. Nobody ever heard of uh, what they call key logging software back then, remember? right? And all of a sudden, people's accounts were being emptied. So anyway, so what it kind of where it led us then is that we had to move into a you know predictive world. Okay. Um, so uh, what what got you interested in specifically sort of a risk analyst you know risk analyst in a technical field like that? What were some of the major steps along the way and the progression of skill sets that got you to that point from uh, previous you know positions and so forth? Well, as we as we tried to start to build again a, a behavioral analytic model, so we could start to look for patterns. We, we really didn't have the capability. Okay. We actually ha we had to look to people who knew how to use the data. We had all the data, yeah. but they hadn't, they hadn't had a pull. So now that led us to this world of risk analytics where analysts then could specialize 
in identifying, you know, information, data, and start to pull it together so that we could do pattern matching, so we could see a change in a, in a person's behavior. And as a result of that change of behavior, we could, you know, kind of be predictive about what might happen. And then, of course, what we started to look at then is we took older cases that we had and went and did a retro look and said, well, across these 30 or 40 key indicators, what was the pattern that eventually resulted in this fraud loss or this group? So it allowed us to start to take advantage. But again, it was, a, it was very cumbersome because you had structured and unstructured data. Right. And then all of a sudden, Hadoop came along. Mm. Mm-hmm. And basically change the world. Right, right, right. Um, so the the purpose of uh, the Cyberwork podcast is to sort of give people an inside look at certain uh, career tracks or career paths or whatever. So um, to start off, walk walk me through your average day as a security risk analyst. What time do you start work? Where does your work take you in the course of the day? You know, how how long into the day does your is it before your to do list? You know goes up in flames as emergencies start piling up and so forth. What time do you, you know, clock out at night or are you on call all the time? Well, in, in the world of anti-fraud and, mm-hmm. and, and loss avoidance, you, you, I had the luxury of managing a team of you know, risk analysts and we right. were fabulous. And from them, I learned the abilities and the capabilities. So a normal day would start usually at about six o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. on a commute where you're talking to other parts of the globe to find out what's been going on and what the challenges are. And then sort of get in the office at, you know, seven or so after a reasonable train ride. Mm-hmm. And you start to, you know, you have your great plan. Right? I'm going to spend the morning, I'm going to do my emails and so on and so forth. And then when you get to about the third email, it's the one that says, gee, we sort of had this problem. What do you think about it? So you go out to one of the analysts and you have them dig into it and do some research. And next thing you know is you, you've had a, you had a problem, you had a, a, a miss, you had a hack. I mean, not a major hack. I mean, you know, we, where they hit the, the, the mainframe database, where you had a client whose PC was, uh, you know, accessed and now their account is empty. So you have to go back and recreate that. And that then goes on during the day. And then, of course, in the middle of the day, you're always trying to attend the meetings about how to prevent everything that you've been working on since seven o'clock in the morning from happening. Uh, and then that day goes on, you have some more problems. There's always a few at the end of the day. Yep. You try and close out your emails and move on. Um, and you do, you, you, you know, the cell phone. I mean, I go back to the days of pagers, but right. you know, it, you never turn it off. The cell phone is there because in a global environment with teams in different parts of the world, you have to be prepared to support your team when they need help or take a transfer or a handoff. Is that, is that pretty common? Uh, you know, getting, getting the, the emergency email at two in the morning. Oh yeah, it, it yeah. was because what'll happen is, you know, it's, it's, it's two in the morning in, in New York, but it's two o'clock in the afternoon in Asia. Right. And they find, and they just realized that somebody emptied out an account or a fraud is occurring or uh, a client has, you know, reported that there's information or transactions that they never saw. Mm-hmm. And now this is where, again, that, that risk analytics piece becomes important because you have to go back and recreate it. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, so uh, what obligations does a risk analyst have to their company? Where do you sort of stand on the corporate hierarchy chart and, and who do you report to? 
it, it kind of goes two ways. It'll okay. if you if it's purely on the the infosec side or the, mm-hmm. or the the IT side, it'll roll up through usually through the CISO because that's where you're you know you're providing support to the other group. If you're on the risk side of the business or the ops side of the business, you'll roll up either to a chief risk officer or in some cases to head of operations or legal if you're in a loss avoidance, anti-fraud uh, role. So this it sort of splits. You have you know the, the technical versus the operational. Okay, and I, I suppose it's possible to have uh, lots of both types at a company at different, different levels. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, without a doubt. So what'll yeah. happen is like, for example, if I was on the, the operational side, I would roll up to the chief operating officer, but mm-hmm. the cyber team would roll up through CISO. We'd all wind up pretty much at the same place. Mm-hmm. And what that did is it gives us a, an ability to provide different tracks and then to support each other with different skill sets. Okay. Now, on average, uh, are more risk analysts employed by, say, a single company, or is it a primarily freelance consultancy position by nature? Uh, have you done both? Yeah, I think what happens is in, in, in a lot of the major organ corporations, you, you know, that you'll have a team, an internal team that is hired and becomes part of the structure. I, and then what you'll do is you'll use uh, contractors to support that function. But however, we are seeing a little bit of a change where uh, centralized utility type organizations are being there to provide services. And so I think right now you have uh, an excellent combination of both. Uh, I think a uh, you, you, a good place to start is if you can get into a corporation for a couple of years, it's a great place to, you know, really uh, hone your skills yep. and kind of get a feel for, you know, what clients are looking for. Mm-hmm. Is there is there an advantage or disadvantage to uh, starting in a freelance? If you can't find a corporation or you're in a small town, is, is it a sort of thing where you can kind of hang out your shingle and and get experience that way? Uh, I think you can. And I think what's at, what, what we're seeing is that, as as small medium businesses start to grow and expand and obviously become more you know uh, technical as this the world of you know we were seeing digital convergence happening, but it's not only happening at the you know the, the city banks and the IBMs and the Boeing's. It's happening at small regional or local businesses. Mm-hmm. They will not have the ability to have an in-house staff. And I think if you're local and you're good at what you do and you, you have an opportunity. To, to support them and provide an external service. Um, so uh, here comes a here comes a list of, of bests and worst. What are uh, what do you think are the most interesting parts of security risk analyst as a position, and what are the most difficult and repetitive? I, I think the most the, really the interesting part is 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 when you have a situation, and 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 you know you're sort of on the hunt. You're trying to find out you know exactly what happened or from a predictive analytic point, what is going to happen? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the challenge of, of getting data, using data. And data is available. The, the issue is how do you use it? How can you take advantage of it? And the, real, the other challenge is how do you use data without being intrusive? I mean, I'm a strong supporter of data privacy. Right. So how do you, how do you use information without, you know, reading a person's email, without kind of getting, you know, into their phone calls? Well, you can do it through volume. You just look at, at volumes of activity. So you don't have to be intrusive. So I found that to be the rewarding part. But sort of the, the real, I, I guess, not disappointing, but the, 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 the challenging, real challenging side is to stay with the process when you keep hitting roadblocks and, and it's right. just not working out. 
and you mm -hmm. came up with a pattern, you worked it, and another incident happened. And it's that you have to be, you know, committed to seeing it through. Mm -hmm. uh, I always say to people, you know, investigations are not like on TV. It's not, it's, it's not an hour episode. It doesn't wrap up in an hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's probably, you know, and there's no commercials and yeah. it's probably going to take, and it might not even longer. wrap up cleanly in certain cases, I would imagine. Or it might not even wrap up. Right. Right. And, and then, and it also might wrap up with the problem being, you know, internal versus mm -hmm. external. But again, those become the ultimate reward at the end is that you can help either your, your employer, your client, or a victim. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I guess I, I sort of makes me think of, of sort of project load. Do you have a, like a lot of projects right now that are in that sort of limbo where it's like, I can't, you know, sort of solve this, but I can't let it go either. Is there a lot of sort of plate spinning in that regard where you have to just sort of keep sort of hacking away at sort of long-term projects with clients while you work on stuff that's more solvable or, right. or I don't know. Yeah, I, I think there's a there's a there's a you know this tactical and strategic. Yeah. What happens is you know you'll you'll you get you might you you can start as a with a tactical issue mm -hmm. because you have to come in and, and stop bleeding and, and provide a tactical solution, and that from that may grow a strategic plan. Mm. So while you're building, you know, you're solving the problem, you're also helping build the plan. Yep. Sometimes it happens the other way. Uh, a company has foresight; they decide they want to do something. You're brought it in to work on be part of a team on a strategic plan and no sooner do you start the plan that things start to happen so mm -hmm. now you're juggling tactical with strategic the the thing that i always used to encourage the analyst to keep in mind and the specialist to keep in mind is try and make every tactical solution something that we can build into the strategic plan hmm. it is the way you, you know you can't do all of them because sometimes yeah. you just have to do a stopgap but if you can Always look, you know, keep, Steve Covey always said, you know, begin with the end in mind. Right. If you go down that path, you'll, you'll really have a better opportunity. Uh, so sort of atomizing like the, 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 the task of, you know, um, you know, security risk analyst to like things that you do every day, what types of activities or projects or, or even just actions should you be really enjoying doing if you're considering this as a career, something that, you know, things that you're like, you're going to be reading these types of files every day. You're going to be doing, you're be communicating every day. What are, what are the things that you really should, should like if you want to sort of get, get into this career? You have to like the, uh, the minutia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, you, you have to, you're go, a you're detail go through, person. yeah, yeah. You're going to go through thousands and thousands of, of, you know, bits of information to try and find that nugget Yep. Uh, or the, or the, or the combination of bits that create the nugget. Uh, I think you have to be willing. And, and the other thing is you, you must not be easily defeated. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's like, it's, it's like, you know, playing baseball. You know, yeah. if you, if you strike out, you can't carry it into the field. And if mm -hmm. you make an error in the field, you can't carry it into the batter's box. Right. And, and I think that's an important part of this. And, and, and I have a high level of respect for the, the analyst that can keep, you know, can keep their head down and can keep plugging away at it even with the adversity and, and, you know, and the failures, because there's going to be failures. It's mm -hmm. not going to work every time. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what, what role, if any, do you feel that professional certifications play in the enhancement of, uh, you know, a, a career in, in risk analytics? Uh, do you think there are any, do you have any certifications or do you feel that they're, they're important at all or? 
I, I think they are. I mean, I, I've been in the business a very long time, so I kind of predate the certification process. Sure, sure. But but I but I think if, if you're going to get into the pure risk analytics, you're going to work in that. Yeah, I think you have to go through them. You know, there's a there's a group of them out there. There's you know the, the cyber the, the cyber uh, certifications are out there. They're, they're good. I I kind of think you should look in reverse. Decide on maybe what field you want to go into. Okay. You know, do you want to be in finance? Do you want to be in healthcare? Do you want to be in technology? And then research that and find out which which are the certifications that can help you. What yeah. they do is they give you a strong baseline. But there was, I was talking to a very good friend of mine earlier today, uh, Bob Maley, who's a CISO. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, there's nothing like experience. Mm -hmm. So, it, you know, having the certification is good, but you need the hands-on experience. Now, I, a lot of your podcast listeners are going to say, well, gee, how do I get the experience because I can't get the job? Right. And the certifications then help you have at least credentials that can get you into a startup position, you know, into an organization where they'll then give you an opportunity to use those skills that you've learned and to hone those skills. Mm -hmm. So, so I, yeah, certifications are important. Yeah. Now, um, speaking to that, if you're right at, at ground zero and if you're maybe not in a huge uh, metropolis with a lot of, you know, corporations that need risk analysts or whatever, what, what are some early steps that someone, you know, just taking the first step up the ladder can do to make themselves desirable well i think i think you know it's all about research find okay. you know find the course find the online course that mm -hmm. can that can give you an understanding and and also when you when you head in that direction uh maybe you can do it through a, a local community college or a local college they they all offer courses and training sessions mm -hmm. and and you want to look for the ones where you will cut where you will meet people from the industry see because that's a great way to do it you, you know being taught by someone who does nothing but teach. And I mean, educators is the most important part of our society. But you need people in those classrooms who have, who have been in industry or practical, who can give you guidance on not only teaching you the technical skills, but giving you the guidance on how you take those technical skills and turn it into a career. Yeah. Um, so uh, what types of companies require a risk analyst? What, you know, are there certain sectors that are especially rich in this area, obviously finance and things like that, but what types of professional companies should you be trying to be employed at to make yourself desirable as a senior level risk analyst? Well, you'll get a lot of exposure in the financial industry okay? Uh, because the financial industry is covering everything and there's a tremendous amount of data um, and, and it's, it's a cross section of, 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 of you know issues okay uh you lost we lost video for a sec here is there any yeah chance? i know oh okay um, <laughs> gotcha it should, it should be coming back let me see okay okay no problem uh, are we back we're back hello, yes. hello. aha magic very good magic <laughs> the magic of technology well you see i was doing i was doing some risk analytics right there so okay absolutely yeah, man. I, <laughs> <laughs> right but, in the moment uh, there <laughs> yeah. so i think i think that's a great place in the financial okay. industry because you get a lot of exposure however you know, think about uh, the insurance industry, the medical industry, yep. because anywhere where it's a regulated, a regulated industry where they have confidential private data. Mm -hmm. So think about, you know, healthcare. think about insurance. Uh, and then, of course, there's the purely technical side. You know, there's the firms that are you know, out there building, uh, you know, cyber programs or cyber avoidance programs or cyber incident avoidance. There's a lot of them out there, some very good companies. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of small companies. 
that mm-hmm. are, you know, that are really doing some very creative, cutting edge stuff. And I, and I think that's where you want to get into. You know? and, and then the other side of it is there's a tremendous uh, demand for analytics um, in the whole third party vendor risk world. Oh, because yeah. regulators becoming more, you know, they're demanding more from companies as opposed to a once a year review. Right. And analytics is the solution. Yeah. Okay. How, how so? Well, for example, uh, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, regulators would say to banks and insurance companies, you know, once a year, you have to go do a very detailed risk assessment. Right. All of your listeners probably are familiar with getting those thousand question documents <laughs> sure. from, from a potential uh, uh, client who says, you got to answer all this. Tell me everything about yourself. And, mm-hmm. You know, and they go through it. And it's ongoing and they come on site. That's the, the traditional, what's called risk assessment. Now that's matured and that's a good document. It's a great way to do it. For example, uh, an organization called Shared Assessments has an excellent standard uh, gathering, information gathering tool. But the regulators are also saying now, well, that's wonderful, but what do you do in the other 364 days a year? Right. So now what we have to do is take that information and use continuous monitoring, real-time continuous monitoring, so that you can look at things. So if you see a financial change in a company, well, you don't necessarily have to go do an infrastructure review. Mm-hmm. Maybe just look at the financials. Or yep. if you see something with you know, governance, that all of a sudden they're getting uh, regulatory. Well, you want to take a look at their governance program. So continuous monitoring, risk and analyzing all that data, mm-hmm. right? the risk analytics of it, will allow you then to do targeted, focused uh, mm-hmm. reviews. The other thing is it does, right? is the opportunity side. You remember, you know, people look at analytics as a way to catch a bad thing. Right. You got to use analytics to find good things also. Analytics can help you find opportunities. You hmm. can say, well, maybe there's a better way to do something, or maybe there's a more cost-effective way to do something, or there's something new out there. So analytics should be about finding both opportunities and challenges or potential disruptions. Hmm. Okay, that's interesting. Can you can you elaborate a little bit on on the sort of opportunities that you can find well, via analytics? Sure. Yeah. I mean, for example, uh, I, I'm part of an organization at, at Neo Group where we actually do monitoring of uh, countries, cities, and suppliers, and we do it over a very sophisticated 350 uh, key indicator set. Yep. But one of the things, so we look at things, and we'll see changes in currency and in, in, mm-hmm. in, a, in a jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. Well, if if the currency is more, situation exchange rate is more favorable why should you in one country have to pay a, an annual cola increase when the currency is in in, in the other in favor so mm-hmm. that you can you can actually get look for a deduction you might see a company all of a sudden announce or determine through their financials that they've automated well if they've automated mm-hmm. you should be able to go back and say well gee i the service you're providing at X dollars, now that you've automated it, maybe you can provide it at X minus 10%. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so again, all of that, that it's just data. Uh, if you're looking at uh, you know, clients' accounts, mm-hmm. well, if people have more money in their accounts, all of a sudden, maybe they've gotten a new job or maybe right. you should sell them other services. I mean, marketing has been doing this for years. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, so, so as, we wrap up, as we wrap yeah. up today, um, where do you see the role of risk man- risk analysts going in 2019? Are there are there sort of any procedural changes that you're seeing yeah. in the in the years to come? 
Yeah, I, again, I, I think what's going to happen is you're going to have organizations like Shared Assessments, for example, that, okay. that has a very, you know, uh, sophisticated, complete certification program. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called CTPRP. It's a certified third-party risk professional. And as people are coming through that course, they're getting an appreciation for the importance of, of analytics and, and, and how you can use information and data. And I think you're going to see the change. Well, we're seeing the change now where people are moving more towards predictive analytics, you know, hmm. be predictive behavioral analytics, as opposed to, you know, sort of looking at reactive analytics. Okay, here's what happened this month, and what do we have to think about? As opposed to, here's what happened in the last 24 hours, and here's what is happening right now. How do we then use that to predict what's going to happen next? Hmm. And, and, and I think that that's come. Yeah, that, that's definitely coming. Um, so uh, one last question here. Tell me a bit about Neo Group Inc. and some of the projects your organization is working on at the moment. Uh, Neo Group Incorporated is a, uh, a sourcing advisory firm. Mm -hmm. We work with uh, only buy-side customers. And what we do is we work with uh, all-size organizations to help them review their internal operations that they think they might be able to source, so they're thinking about a better way to do it. And through our, our constant real-time monitoring and analytics that we have, we can kind of guide them to, is it cost-effective? What will it cost them to do it? And if it turns out it is cost-effective to source something, we find the best locations for them because we're constantly monitoring, monitoring uh, cities, countries, and suppliers. So we know what's going on in the industry. We also work with companies on something called uh, benchmarking and rate card analytics. And we work with them and we actually generate, you know, 15, 20% savings just through uh, looking at roles, you know, the technology role taxonomies and we consolidate the roles down. So it's, it's a matter of using available data to then help companies take a better look at what they're doing and guide them down the path so they can operate more effectively, efficiently, and possibly uh, be in a better value proposition. Okay, and if our listeners want to know more about uh, Neo Group Inc., uh, where can they go? Uh, you can go right online to neogroup.com. All right, John Bree, thank you very much for your time today. All right, thank you. Have a great one. All right, and thank you all for listening and watching. Uh, if you enjoyed today's video, you can find many more of them on our YouTube page. Just go to youtube.com and type in Cyberwork with InfoSec to check out your, our collection of tutorials, interviews, and past webinars. If you'd rather have us in your ears during your workday, all of our videos are also available as audio podcasts. Just search Cyber Work with InfoSec in your favorite podcast catcher of choice. See the current promotional offers available for podcast listeners. And to learn more about our InfoSec Pro Live Boot Camps, InfoSec Skills on Demand Training Library, and InfoSec IQ Security Awareness and Training Platform, go to infosecinstitute.com podcast or click on the link in the description below. Thanks once again to John Bree, and thank you all for watching and listening. We'll speak to you next week.